Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through every episode of Aqua Teen and talking about it. I'm laughing about it, and I'm having a good time. I hope you guys are too. And this week, we watched Season 1, Episode 9, MCP Pants. Yes, finally, we approach one of my favorite Aqua Teen episodes. I'm so excited to dig into this one, airing May 19th, 2002. What a time to be alive. But before we hit that, we've got some news. We've got some community stuff to talk about. We've got all sorts of other bullshit to get into. So, first and foremost, there is a new Aqua Teen Hunger Force basically themed Hardy's promo video featuring solely the three Aqua Teen Hunger Force members, of course, Master Shake, Frylock, Meatwad. This premiered today on the Adult Swim. Uh, I saw it on their Facebook. I'm sure it premiered other places as well. Probably on TV, I would imagine. But shout out to Calvin Laser McMurray from the You Show Show podcast for sending this to me. I probably would have seen it eventually, but not in time to talk about it for this podcast episode. Anyways, my reaction here is, guys, this kind of pisses me off. When I saw this, I was kind of angry. I'm like, okay, so you can use these characters to promote this fucking Hardy's deal you have, but, you know, you guys canceled the show. Like, come on. Of course, cool to see the characters animated. If you haven't seen it, there's a link in the description. Not a whole lot really happens, but you do see the three characters drawn. The promotional Hardy's Cup, I'm sure you've already seen, explodes, and Shake, Frylock, Meatwad come out of it, and then the, the Carl's Jr. Hardy star, and that's kind of it. It's only 15 seconds long. And yeah, just just a shock because we we all know about the promo going on. I've discussed it on the show, and you can get these little figurines that are, come from a slew of Adult Swim shows. You can also get a cup with all with like an Adult Swim in general design on it with all sorts of characters. And the Hardys and Carl's Jr. team members have these exclusive shirts with the characters on them. But this commercial was just the Aqua Teens, which is incredible. And again. Come on, guys. You're going to use these characters for your fucking corporate promotional bullshit. Get these guys. <laughs> Let them make a new season. I mean, maybe they are. Obviously, we, we can't know about it. And, of course, there is the movie in the works. There is the digital short series Aquadonk side pieces in the works. But a little bittersweet seeing this because it's like, clearly, this is fucking popular. People love the Aqua Teens. Bring them back. Come on. But, yeah, apart from this uh, kind of shocking new video that dropped, I have kind of a correction to last week's episode not really a correction just more context so on instagram i posted a picture of the fun house that meatwad and the moon knights went to to play harvest time and i'm like oh i wonder what this is from well on instagram our friend zuyus reverse google image searched the picture of the fun house which i can't believe i didn't think to do i just assumed nothing would come up but she did it and something did come up Zayus says, I did a quick reverse image search. Turns out it's from a Scooby-Doo film from the 70s called The Haunted Carnival. So thank you, Zayus. Again, I can't believe I didn't think of that, but thank you for doing it. And that's really funny to know that they took straight up a Scooby-Doo image to use in Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which, again, they used Powerpuff Girls stuff. They use SWAT cats. They use all sorts of stuff. 
All right, so next up, I did another poll on Instagram, and this time I did it on Twitter as well, which was kind of interesting because we got pretty different results between the two. So here's what I posted. I said, I've covered the first two Moon Knight appearances, as in Mayhem of the Moon Knights, Episode 4, and Revenge of the Moon Knights, Episode 8. And then I asked, which episode do you prefer? And of course, between the two episodes on Twitter, we had 48 votes. And we had 25% for Mayhem of the Moon Knights and 75% for Revenge of the Moon Knights. So way more people liked Revenge of the Moon Knights uh, of, of the 48 people who responded. I don't know that that shocked me or not, but what did shock me is on Instagram, we had 47 voters. So almost the same amount of voters. And we had 53% for Mayhem of the Moon Knights and 47% for Revenge of the Moon Knights. So that's 25 votes for Mayhem, 22 votes for Revenge. So yeah, just almost almost similar, but a little bit more towards Mayhem of the Moon Knights, the one that only got 12 votes out of 48 on Twitter. So two very different answers here. Um, thank you, of course, everyone for voting because I really love to see the results here. And yeah, just a crazy discrepancy between the two I, I wonder if there if that says anything about who's on which platform but probably not right I, it's such a small sample size we can't really deduce a ton from it but still cool to see nonetheless twitter likes revenge of the moon Knights more and instagram slightly preferred mayhem of the moon Knights. both great episodes if you would like to take part in any future polls i do i will start posting them more on twitter i need to use twitter more i'm just more of an instagram user like in my personal life but yeah if you would like to be a part of either on whichever platform you prefer that's at aqua teen pod on both so yeah i i, I tend to just keep it aqua teen centric so if you're interested check it out especially for the polls that's like that's my favorite part of it honestly is to see the answers to these questions all right guys it's that time of the show where i see what you guys gotta say our our friend carson is back with another message let's hear what carson's got for us hey ronnie uh great podcast as always uh for episode eight i just wanted to mention you forgot uh to say that Carl's voice line of I don't need no instructions to know how to rock became a lyric in uh, his song that played in the credits for the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie. And another thing I want to say is MCP Pants is one of my favorite episodes and it stars uh, MC Chris, uh, who is probably more known for his work on uh, C-Lab 2021, where he was a writer and an assistant animator and he voiced Hesh and also himself. So, uh, yeah, I love MC Chris. Uh, I think he's a really underrated talent. Uh, and MCP Pants is one of my favorite uh, episodes. So i uh, catch you on 612 Wharf Avenue. Oh, and sorry about giving you the wrong information about the credits. <laughs> Carson, thanks for the second message here. Um, no worries on the incorrect information. Carson is referencing, uh, previously he said that Space Conflict from Beyond Pluto had the uh, animation over, over the end credits, but it was it was the next episode. It's, it's, it's fine. I should have checked it and I didn't, so that's my bad. But yeah, thanks for pointing out that um, actually I didn't forget to say that about Carl and the instructions to know how to rock thing. I didn't know that at all so <laughs> thanks for mentioning it i've only seen the movie a couple times so and I, I have not seen it recently i'm waiting until i kind of cover those or cover that movie in what will probably be a series of episodes to to rewatch it here but yeah thanks for that information i i, I wish i knew that at the time i would have mentioned it at the top and yeah some great info on mc chris who i will get into in a bit somebody who i didn't really know anything about and it was really great to read a lot of his interviews and learn more about him 
And speaking of MC Chris, MC P-Pants, it appears that MC P-Pants himself has left me a voice message. I've been blessed, and I can't believe he's going to be on the show. Here's MC P-Pants for you guys. Yo, what's up? This is MC P-Pants, dog. I got a little older, and that's why my voice is a little bit... You know, higher, lower pitch, dog. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm at six one two Wharf Avenue. Please come visit me, dog. I want candy, bubblegum, and taffy. You're talking about my episode, which I love, except for the ending where I got killed and I got sent to hell. And Satan, he's been torturing me ever since, dog. Been reincarnating me on shit like a cow and an old man vampire, dog. But, uh, yeah, I want candy. I love candy. Bubblegum and taffy. Please come visit me. Love your podcast. And glad you're finally talking about me, dog. Please come visit me. I'm very lonely. 612 Wharf Avenue, right next to Melon Shakers, the uh, Gentleman's Club. Wow. MCP Pants. I, you know, I never believed in my wildest dreams you would leave me a message for my podcast when I started this pod. That's, that's, that's insane. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm truly honored, and I'm putting this on my resume as we speak, and I really hope that somebody comes and visits you soon, because I know how lonely it can be in the streets uh, of hell. So, yeah, take it easy, young man. I am I- sure that uh, someone will come visit you from this podcast. All right, and then last but not least, we have Shinzo the Great. What a title, leaving us a message here. Let's hear what Shinzo has to say. Hey, Ronnie, what's going on? This is Shinzo the Great. Yes, the one with the mustache. Just wanted to say hello and uh, give a little thanks for all you do. You obviously put your, you're obviously putting your work in, and I think we all appreciate it. My origin story, I don't really have one. I started watching it years and years back um, when I was in tech school, uh, maybe between Bleach and Harvey Birdman. So that's pretty cool. Um, I loved Space Ghost, Harvey Birdman as well. Um, but yeah, I love the history segments you do. Just takes me back. Wow, it's crazy. And yeah, J-Lo does seem to be big back in those times. So anyways, um, can't wait to deep dive into some of my favorite episodes like Revenge of the Trees and uh, Total Recarl and some of the later seasons like uh, the one with Markula. So, anyways, thanks for all you do, man. Talk more about the wooden paneling. It's the best feature. (laughs) Man, if I'm not here talking about the wooden paneling, then what the fuck is this podcast about? Thank you, Shinzo, for this really, really nice message. And I'm glad you mentioned J-Lo because I still can't get over how huge she was. I, I was just like a kid. I think I was like eight or something around this time. But, like, yeah, I, I, I don't remember hearing her stuff that much, but I guess she was fucking huge. But, yeah, thanks for the kind words, man. I really appreciate it. And I, too, really look forward to covering those episodes you mentioned because those are some of my favorites as well, especially Total Recarl. That one is just incredible. But, all right, guys, thank you for these wonderful messages. If you would like to send in your own, you can head to speakpipe.com slash dancingisforbidden, or just check the show notes. It's in there. Or head to the website, dancingisforbidden.com, to figure out how to do it that way. So, yes, thank you, guys. And, look, it's May 19th, 2002. Let's see what's going on this week. 19 years ago, in a galaxy 
not far away at all because it's this one. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones is lightsabering its way through hordes of stormtroopers into the top of the fucking box office with $80 million this week and then $47 million next week. It's just, it's a Star Wars movie, guys. Like, you know it's going to be the top dog. You know it's going to be huge. So, interesting bit here with Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, is that it broke Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace's record, of $64.8 million for the highest weekend debut for a prequel. So, yeah, Star Wars Episode 1 was $64 mil, and then Star Wars Episode 2 is $80 mil. So, lots of cash, as you can imagine, for a Star Wars movie, right? Now, although a huge success... It was the first Star Wars film not to be the highest grossing of the year. And while I don't want to get too into it because, (laughs) spoilers, this was the fourth highest grossing of the year for worldwide gross. And above it, one that I will mention because we've talked about it already, was Spider-Man was the third highest grossing. So this was beat out by Spider-Man, but we still had two more films that I have not talked about yet, that haven't come out yet in our timeline here that I will wait to talk about once we get to them, but, you know, it's not hard to guess what these two films are. (laughs) But yeah, this Star Wars movie, 6.5 on IMDb and 65% Rotten Tomatoes. To be completely honest, I don't remember this film. I know I saw it. I'm not sure that I saw it in theaters. I grew up on Star Wars, the the original three films, and I know, I I remember when these films kind of came out vaguely in my memory. I remember the hype, the, the Happy Meal toys, the commercials, all that shit, but... Yeah, I don't remember anything about the movies specifically other than like a few characters from them. So I kind of want to rewatch all of them at some point. I've seen most of the new ones now as they as they come out. And I like the ones I've seen. I think that they're fine. And I really liked Mandalorian. I've only seen the first season so far, but I really liked that first season. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm a decent enough Star Wars fan, I guess. I'm not super huge into it. But yeah, unfortunately, don't remember this film. And I would like to see it at some point. But who knows when that will happen. So, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones actually shares a crew member with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And that crew member is audio engineer Brandon Proctor. So, Brandon was an uncredited assistant re-recording mixer on, Star- on the Star Wars film, but he was also a credited mix technician. Brandon worked on a handful of Aqua Teen episodes from 2010 to 2012 as a sound designer and re-recording mixer. Uh, since then, he's gone to work on Black Panther, the, the giant Marvel film, A Quiet Place, and nine episodes of the 2020 run of 12 Ounce Mouse, which is Matt Malero's show on Adult Swim. So, yeah, Brandon kind of in the mix a little bit. I also did a search between this Star Wars film and the Aqua Teen movie, and there are a lot of shared sound designers there, but... Uh, I just stuck with Brandon here since he has worked on both the Aqua Teen movie and the show. So I figured that was a little bit more pertinent. But yeah, that's it for movies, guys. Fucking Star Wars. What more do I got to say, huh? And then, so for television, I've got a question for you guys. Do you believe? Because if you do, you can stop at this point. Because on this night, the X-Files two-hour series finale is broadcast on Fox. X-Files is over. Fox Mulder, Scully, you guys are done. Pack it up, get out of here. You're done looking for creepy critters, scary aliens. No more. Knock it off. X-Files, my mom loves that show. I think my grandma likes that show as well. I really want to watch it at some point because I remember some episodes and I remember liking them, but 
I can't really remember like an entire episode because it, it's just been so long since I've seen one since I was a kid. But yeah, that's 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 film, that's television. For music, hey man, you're not gonna believe me, but I'm gonna tell you anyways, even though you guys are gonna call me a liar. Our Billboard Top 100 single this week is "Foolish" by Ashanti again, for the eight thousandth time. Who would have thought? But we do have a new number one album this week, and that album is. What's up? Fresh is our turn, baby. We have Hood Rich by Big Timers coming out on Cash Money and Universal Records. If it was up to me, I'd play this whole one out, the whole song, but I can't do that. And yeah, I really enjoy this song. Uh, actually, I, I heard about this song through kind of a weird way. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the punk goes whatever. So there's like punk goes pop, punk goes acoustic. Usually it's like punk and like emo kind of bands doing covers of different stuff in whatever style that that album is themed. Well, there's one called Punk Goes Crunk and the band Devil Wears Prada covered this song. So that's how I was introduced to it. And I think that version is still very good. Yes, The Devil Wears Prada doing a silly cover of Still Fly. And yeah, I haven't heard this whole album, Hood Rich, but really like Still Fly. I like the original. I like The Devil Wears Prada cover. I'll have to check out the full album sometime soon. And with our alternative song this week on the Billboard alternative charts, we have... We have See in Red by Unwritten Law from their 2002 album, Elva. And I, when listening to this, because I'm like, I'm like, who the fuck are Unwritten Law? What is See in Red? And I did not recognize the verses at all. But once that chorus hits, I've heard the chorus before. Yeah, usually, you know, with these alternative songs, I'm a little bit more familiar. And this one I initially wasn't familiar with. But that chorus I've definitely heard. I'm sure you guys have as well. Really catchy chorus. And I'm not sure really that the band went on to do... A ton of other things, but they are still together, although their last album was released in 2011, so that'll be 10 years ago. But hey, man, when you write a song that big, I doubt you really need to write many more albums, huh? But okay, last but not least in our history segment, we have video games. And what video games were coming out this week? We have an MMORPG called Final Fantasy XI releasing May 16th, so three days before this episode of Aqua Teen aired. And this is the first MMORPG to offer cross-platform play between the PS2 and PC. However, it was only released in Japan on PS2 originally, coming to PC in November, and then it would eventually hit North American computers in October of 2003. So anybody in North America 
or anywhere else outside of Japan wouldn't have had this game quite yet, but it did initially release May 16th for the PlayStation 2, which is interesting. It came out on the PS2 before the PC. I figured that would be the other way around, but I guess not. A uh, little side note about this game. It was also the Xbox 360's first MMORPG, but that wasn't until 2006. Now, I am not really familiar with Final Fantasy. I did play, like, literally two hours of Final Fantasy XIV, their newest MMORPG, and, and, and a much bigger MMORPG. It's one of the biggest MMOs in the world right now, but didn't really click with me. Yeah, I'm really not familiar with this, but looking into it, it, it appears the game is still active and gets regular new content almost two decades after it launched, which is really quite incredible. And there's actually a video I, I found on YouTube that I watched a lot of it. It's called, So I Started Playing Final Fantasy XI in 2021 by The Crawl. So you can look that up or check the show notes. It'll be there. But yeah, this guy is kind of explaining like how the game holds up today, what he w was really encountering in the game and how it played and how he was enjoying it. And man, just seeing these graphics just hit me with nostalgia and they just really made me want to play it because... These old MMOs are really my perception of what an MMO is because that's what MMOs were when I was a kid, like old World of Warcraft, um, RuneScape, stuff like this, like these kind of shitty graphics, these lo-fi, low-quality textures, and this vast open world. Just seeing this stuff really drudges up um, what I wanted to play when I was a kid, but unfortunately I wasn't able to, so... When I try and play newer MMOs now, like the hot new stuff that comes out, yeah, they're great. They're fantastic games, but it's like, ah, oh, this isn't what I, I'm trying to reclaim what I never got as a kid kind of thing. And like, this ain't doing it. This ain't it, Chief. So yeah, just seeing seeing these Final Fantasy XI graphics really like kind of made me like, ooh, maybe I should play that. But I just, I don't have the time. Plus, I think you have to pay a subscription and all that fun stuff that goes with it. And for me, subscription-based games, it's like if I'm not playing it, I feel like I'm losing money, and that's just not a good situation to be in. Yeah, man, I don't know, just something about these graphics really hit me. So, you know, if you played Final Fantasy XI, that's awesome. And again, I would, I would recommend if you're interested in video games, at least, to check out this uh, The Crawl video on YouTube, because I enjoyed getting this guy's opinion on the game in 2021. Another little game that came out was for the Dragon Ball Z fans. On the Game Boy Advance, a game called Dragon Ball Z The Legacy of Goku was released on the 14th of May 2002. So, good chance some of you guys could have had this game at the time. Um, not a huge DBZ fan. Watched a little bit of it on TV, on uh, Toonami, I'm sure, Cartoon Network. But I never had this game. But watching some footage of it on the Game Boy Advance. Love the Game Boy Advance. Was a great system. Lots of great games. Okay, that's it for our history, but uh, we still have to talk about what in the heck was airing on Adult Swim this night in history, May 19th, 2002. And this week is pretty exciting because we have a lot of new stuff going on. Up until now, it's been pretty, pretty safe. You know, I can always kind of expect what we're going to see, but this is our first real mix-up. So let's see what's going on here. Starting off strong and kind of a callback to early Adult Swim, we have two episodes of home movies, back-to-back, -back, class trip, history, both season two episodes, which originally aired a few months earlier, and I believe season three will start to air kind of soonish for the show, uh, towards the end of the year of 2002. And then after that, at 11 o'clock, we have Welcome to Eltingville, which was like a pilot that was produced for Adult Swim, but they didn't pick it up. So, Welcome to Eltingville, first of all, 
featured MC Chris, who goes on to appear in this new Aqua Teen episode, which is exciting. But uh, according to IMDb, the TV show was based on Evan Dorkin's comic series, Eltingville, but it never made it past the pilot, which premiered on this night on Adult Swim. This pilot episode was titled Bring Me the Head of Boba Fett, which was the first full story arc of the comic series. This comic won the Eisner Award for Best Short Story in 1996. So the tagline kind of for this show is just the misadventures of four boys who are big fans of comic books, toys, trading cards, and science fiction. And it stars Jason Harris, Troy Metcalf, and Lark Spies, and was written by Evan Dorkin, the comic book artist the comic book writer, and directed by Chuck Sheets. So that's it. I am not familiar with this, so I can't really go into too much detail on it. But yeah, guys, it wasn't picked up. But uh, bring me the head of Boba Fett. I mean, MC Chris is involved. That is no surprise to me. After the Welcome to Eltingville pilot, we had this episode of Aqua Teen, MCP Pants. Ooh, it's a good one. Very, very great episode. After that, at 11.45, we have C-Lab 2021's All That Jazz, which originally aired October 28th, 2001, so not a new episode. But I looked up the the synopsis for this episode, and this is just fucking nuts. It says, Captain Murphy gets stuck under a vending machine and is antagonized by a tooth-hoarding robot. Debbie Quinn, Marco, Stormy, and Sparks become roadies for a hip-hop music act. <laughs> so, just crazy. I do want to point out that MC Chris did write on this episode of C-Lab and was in the episode. He was a voice actor for a small part. So, um, yeah, we'll get into MC Chris a little bit more. I don't want to say too much right now. But, yeah, this episode sounds nuts. And I am not really familiar with C-Lab at all. Of course I've seen it. But I remember as a kid, I wasn't really into Space Ghosts, which I now love. But I, w- I also wasn't really into C-Lab. I just, I don't, something about the old cartoon animations did not appeal to me. I'm somebody who never really liked old cartoons that much i don't know why as a kid even i just i didn't dig it i'm not entirely sure why but yeah um again not familiar with this episode i'm sure a lot of you are like what the fuck how do you how are you not familiar with c-lab but we'll talk about that more next week moving on we have guys super super excited for this at midnight mission hill premieres on Adult Swim. It is a new series for Adult Swim, although it was not a new show. And yeah, this is the pilot um, or the second title. Every Mission Hill episode had like a clean title and a dirty title. The clean title is Pilot. The dirty title is Or the Douchebag Aspect. And I just love this show so much. It only got one season and the history of it is really interesting. So Mission Hill was created by Josh Weinstein and Bill Oakley, two former Simpsons writers who have gone on to work on Matt Groening's Disenchantment and a bunch of other stuff. Just really successful writers. Mission Hill originally debuted on UPN in 1999 to be put on hiatus after two episodes. And then it was brought back in the summer of 2000 where five more episodes were aired. And keep in mind, it wasn't really aired in order, which was a weird decision, but... Yeah, they air five more episodes in 2000 until it was canceled. And then tonight it debuts on Adult Swim where it will air in its entirety along with the six unaired episodes. I really want to point out here that it was canceled on a part one of a two-part like story arc. Like literally, you know, some episodes are part one and part two. They aired part one and then canceled it. So people never got the part two um, of the main characters. Like he gets unemployed and it's kind of like his character arc, his growth. Yeah, what's important about this show is that it 
takes until the second half of the first season for the show to find its footing. The first half of the season is decent, but the second half is like so great. It's where the show really, they figure out what they want to do with it. And that never got aired until Adult Swim picked it up right here tonight, which is just insane. Interesting thing about Mission Hill was the plan was for the show to have continuity with the characters aging. For example, the main character, Andy, changing jobs every six or seven episodes. Basically, he was he wanted to be a cartoonist. And when the show starts, he works at a mattress store. And then eventually he works at like an ad agency. And the plan, as said by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, was for Andy to become like a Matt Groening level cartoonist over the span of the show. So he was supposed to become very successful, but they never got to do it. And to my knowledge, no cartoon really does this where there is like specific and purposeful character growth throughout every season where, you know, eventually they become something else. It's not, it's not just written for syndication, but I mean, honestly, guys, I don't know if this would have worked pre streaming, pre Netflix, all that stuff. I don't know how they would have pulled that off, but I really wish they would have been able to. Although I should say, I suppose some anime might do this, but I don't know even then in the scope of what the show is trying to do, especially in a realistic setting. And as I'm going on, I'm realizing that I haven't explained what Mission Hill is for those who haven't seen it. Basically, it's the story of, of a 20-something-year-old living with his roommates in like a just a general city, and his nerdy 17-year-old brother comes to live with him to finish out high school. Just a really interesting set of characters and a really striking color palette, too. The show has a super unique look to it, and the writing was very smart, very good, and just all-around enjoyable. So several unfinished content has since leaked, including animatics and scripts, and Josh Weinstein and Bill Oakley both openly speak very lovingly about the show and how they wanted to keep doing it. And actually on the podcast Talking Simpsons, those guys who I love, I love that podcast, it's kind of like how I got the idea for this podcast, uh, they interviewed both of those guys and in, in 2020, and they both are like, yeah, like we have ideas for a new Mission Hill, we want to bring it back, and I just have fingers crossed, I hope they bring it back. I, as you can tell, I really love this show. Um, very unique show. A little tidbit here is it actually featured network television's first gay male kiss, which I think is pretty cool. Two of the characters were gay, and you know, obviously, in most shows at the time, this it, that's like a joke. But on this show, it was, it was like, yeah, they're just a couple. That's just like a couple who lives in the same building as the main characters. And yeah, it featured Tom Kenny, who went on to do SpongeBob and you know, a billion trillion other things. And Brian Posehn, who I love as an actor, as a comedian, he's a very funny guy. I know he he worked on Metalocalypse because he's a big metalhead. But yeah, great show. If you haven't seen it, definitely give it a watch. I don't really know where it's available, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the internet. Of course, there is like the DVD for it you can pick up too. Really great show. And yeah, that, that airs tonight at, at midnight. And then after that, we have Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which is the episode Explode which featured Terry Jones from Monty Python and Glenn Phillips. It originally aired in 1996. So not a new episode, but a good episode, as most episodes of Space Ghost are. And then last but not least, after that episode of Space Ghost, we have at 1245, The Lewis Lectures. Lewis Lectures was a pilot on Adult Swim that originally aired on March 31st of this year. Um, Someone said it aired earlier, but I couldn't find any real proof of that. I did find a video of it on YouTube with like the Cartoon Network stamp on the bottom right as opposed to the Adult Swim one. So that kind of makes me think maybe it was because it says Cartoon Network, not Adult Swim. But anyways, yeah, th- th- that airs tonight. So what Lewis Lectures was, was again, it was a pilot, was not picked up, same as that Eltingville show. 
But this is the second time it's aired on Adult Swim. It's a seven-minute short featuring Jack Black, you, you know, the famous Jack Black, playing a dog giving a presentation to neighborhood dogs and how to spend their time when their owner is away. And I watched most of it, and again, at seven minutes, I didn't make it all the way through. I think that kind of says a lot. It's all right. I mean, there's a reason it wasn't picked up. It, Jack Black is g- great, but he went on to do way better things than this show. It was the project of Meryl Marco, who wrote for Letterman. Yeah, I mean, not much to say about it. It's just It seems like it's kind of trying to be too much in, in the vein of Dr. Katz and home movies with, with like its tone, but it just... It just didn't pull it off, and again, it wasn't picked up for a reason. But yeah, guys, that's our that's our night tonight. Sorry for going on so long about Mission Hill, but it's a very important show to me, and I'm, I'm I was just really excited to see that this night is when like they air it for the first time because there are a couple other things going on on Adult Swim when new episodes of Aqua Teen aren't airing, so I don't get to talk about those. So I was really excited to get to talk about it this week. Uh, when yeah it aired for the first time so we have two episodes of home movies which again was also a canceled show that adult swim brought back although adult swim did not commission more episodes of mission hill unfortunately but yeah two episodes of home movies welcome to eltingville aqua teen hunger force sea lab 2021 mission hill space goes coast to coast and the lewis lectures i guess what a night guys what a time to be alive let's jump into this fantastic episode of aqua teen check it out Season 1, Episode 9, MCP Pants. This episode rated TVPG for language and violence. And this episode, as all episodes, written by Matt Malero and Dave Willis. But unlike all the other episodes, it was directed again as our previous episode, Revenge of the Moonanites, by Jay Edwards. So this is his second time directing. MC Chris is credited with writing the song I Want Candy, which plays throughout the episode many, many times. And although I can assume Matt and Dave told him, like, what should be in the song, I would really say that MC Chris also has some vague writing credits on this episode because I'm sure that he really influenced it. Again, as Carson mentioned at the top of the episode, MC Chris has writing credits on C-Lab, so this guy kind of knew what he was doing when it came to writing these shows, how to develop plots, and I have to assume he had some influence on this episode. Since MC Chris appears in this episode basically off the bat because Meatwad is always listening to his song, I'll just bring him up now. We'll talk about him right now. So MC Chris, uh, his real name is Christopher Ward. He is an American rapper, voice actor, improvisational comedian, and writer. I only thought that he was a rapper. I didn't know that he was a writer. I didn't really know he was a voice actor. This guy is kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He's been involved with a lot and I had a really great time looking into his history and reading interviews with him because he's a really fascinating guy to learn about. And really cool, he's from uh, northeastern Illinois, same area I'm from, so that's really cool to see as well. But beyond that, I think it's really underrepresented that he is also an artist. He draws a lot, and that's kind of what he grew up wanting to do was draw. Like, rapping for him didn't really come until later. And my history with MC Chris is that... I didn't know him outside of Aqua Teen. I didn't even know that this guy was a real rapper initially. You know, I, I I knew all the MCP Pants episodes, and I thought it was just some some guy they got to work on the show that was playing this character. Of course, he is playing a character, but he has a whole lucrative rap career where he really does sound like he does on on this 
episode on these episodes during the rap songs as well he has a very extensive discography and a lot of it is really really great he pioneers a genre known as nerdcore which is rap music about like nerdy topics and pop culture things i first found out that mc chris was a real rapper when i was hanging out with my buddy tyler we were we were driving in his car and he had mc chris on and i'm like this sounds familiar. What is this? And he's like, it's MC Chris. He was on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I'm like, holy shit. I literally had no idea this was a legitimate rapper. I thought it was just something silly for the show, which makes sense, though, because on the show, MC Pants clearly is a, is a technically good rapper. So I just never really thought about who is behind this, who is behind these songs. Very fun stuff, and I think will, would probably appeal to most people listening to this podcast. So if you're not familiar with MC Chris's music, like outside of this show, definitely check him out. His albums are very fun. He has lots of skits. He's having a good time. He likes to write. He likes to be creative. And yeah, I really enjoyed this interview he did on IGN, and I would like to read a few things that were interesting to me from it basically mc chris initially went to film school then he dropped out to go into screenwriting school because he didn't like the people in film school he didn't like his classmates and regarding screenwriting he said it's not a good idea to major in screenwriting tell that to your readers you can basically pick up everything i picked up in school in a book so that that's mc chris's advice for you don't go into school for screenwriting and then he goes on to explain how he almost he really liked everybody loves raymond and he applied to work on that show and whoever he got in contact with liked him and liked his style, but they're like, oh, you need to go back to school for longer, which he thought was totally stupid, and I don't believe that he went back to school. Also, another bit of of wise words from MC Chris. So he was asked, how do you react to kids approaching you who are on a similar path, as in wanting to do something creative? Do you beat them down with the reality stick? And MC Chris says, no. I just tell them what I've been told, which is figure out what you want to do and just get in the building. Work for free. The main thing is to just figure out what to do, like an internship, and keep at it. I was talking to a guy who recently got hired at Adult Swim, and I was like, how'd you do it? And he said, I just kept on calling. He was just persistent. You've got to put your time in, and you've got to earn it. You've got to work, and that's basically what you have to do. And I just didn't know that. I thought it would all just be given to me. So yeah, MC Chris, like, if you, if you know what you want to do, just start doing it and work as hard as possible. Get, get your foot in the door. Do everything you can to make this happen, which I really appreciated him sharing. Of course, I should mention this interview is back in like 2004. So, you know, working for free now, you might be a bit more exploited than you would have been back then. So definitely keep your eye out on that. But it's still, I feel, not terrible advice. In this interview, MC Chris explains how he got in contact with Dave Willis. He says, well, I was interning at Upright Citizens Brigade, which was like a comedy troupe, with a girl who was from Conyers, Georgia, which is where Dave Willis is from. And Dave Willis was in town visiting. This is all before MC Chris was involved in Adult Swim. I think he was just visiting the C-Lab crew because um, Adult Swim was in Georgia and C-Lab was made in New York. And this is where MC Chris was living at the time, which was originally made in Manhattan, when they started up and he was visiting them just because he's William Street and I think he was checking things out for Mike Lazo. One night that girl and Dave and this other guy, we went to this bar. I didn't have any money so I said I could drink a pint of beer in five seconds and I said if I do it, will you buy me another beer? And they said yeah. And after about 12 of those, I was just kind of, I'm an Irish man so was feeling really confident in cracking jokes. And I must have impressed them because before too long, Dave pulled out his card and he said, Hey man, we could use people like you down in Atlanta. If you ever think about coming down there, give me a call. 
I looked at the card and there was a picture of Space Ghost and I like shit my pants. I thought it was the coolest thing that ever happened to me, but I thought there's no way in hell I'll ever move down to Atlanta. Then a couple of nights later, maybe even the next week, Adam Reed was there and I must have been making him laugh too. I don't remember these nights too well because I was hammered, but he was like, do you want a job? I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, can you draw? Yeah, I can draw. I can draw pretty well. I've been drawing my whole life. So the intestines of Debbie was my first drawing assignment from Chickmate, and he hired me. He had to wait for Matt Thompson to come back from the Olympics, and then they would talk about it, and he came back and they totally hired me. It was kind of like all she wrote. Adam Reed originally did the voice of Hesh, and they needed someone to do Hesh, and they gave me a chance at it. So yeah, MC Chris getting his foot in the door thanks to Dave Willis, which is kind of similar to how Tim and Eric got on Adult Swim thanks to Dave Willis. But that's a story for another day. Once uh, Tim and Eric debuts on Adult Swim, uh, when we're covering it, I'll probably get into that. And you might notice that MC Chris always spells MC Chris lowercase. And his reasoning for that is, the reason I spell my name in lowercase is because I think of myself as a joke. Like, I don't really consider myself to be a real rapper. I think of myself as more like a weird Al Yankovic. Like, I'm not really a musician. I'm more of a satirist. I've never really thought of myself as the serious deal. And to be treated like a serious deal is a really great compliment. The only way I can really say thank you is to keep at it and keep working hard and try to make good stuff. So very humble guy, as we can see. And then on IGN, he was asked, what led you to leave C-Lab? MC Chris said, I really just wanted to work with Dave Willis. I just thought he was so cool and I really wanted to work on Aqua Teen. And yeah, obviously he, he worked on this episode. He worked on a few more episodes. I think he interned on an episode or two or was a PA or something like that. But MC Chris never really worked on the show long term so it's kind of interesting Uh, i'm sure there's more to it again this interview was from 2004 so i don't really know the full story but yeah that's a bit about mc chris just a really interesting guy with a lot of talent in all sorts of fields and i know he's gone on to do other shows as well mc chris of course went on to be featured in other episodes of aqua teen as mcp pants typically in his reincarnated forms he also was in the movie the aqua teen movie the 2007 movie, of course, obviously. I keep just calling it the Aqua Teen movie, but in the future there will be two movies and people might be confused. So yes, I mean Aqua Teen Hunger Force, colon movie film for theaters. He was in a couple other Adult Swim shows as well, but didn't really do a whole lot outside of Aqua Teen, it looks like, in terms of his acting career. It also doesn't look like he's written on many other shows outside of like the C-Lab days, which is a shame. It looks like in 2022 there is a film coming out called Buggers, which... Chris is featured as the voice of a character called Boo, so keep an eye out for that. But yeah, guys, that's mostly it about MC Chris. Uh, Look him up. Very interesting character. Of course, check out his albums. Just go on Spotify. Look up MC Chris. Lots of really great songs. That If you you find I Want Candy a little bit catchy, then check out his other stuff because his other serious music, which is always a little bit silly, but it's, it's right up that alley, and it's very, very good. But all right, enough of talking about MC Chris. Let's let's check out this episode that he was featured in and that he really escalated to greatness. So as always, this season we open with a Dr. Weird skit. This time it is related to the episode and we get a glimpse of something very strange. A large spider with a shower cap on and a diaper. And Dr. Weird thinks this is his fiance. Let me just play the clip first and then we'll talk about it. Gentlemen, behold, my beautiful fiancé! I think that's a giant spider. 
So yeah, uh, that's it. Dr. Weird says he's been betrayed when Steve points out. I think that's just a giant spider. It makes me wonder who Dr. Weird thinks betrayed him. Was it somebody else? Like, did he buy this fiancé? Did somebody promise him this fiancé? And it's a giant spider. I You would assume he created it since he's a mad scientist who creates all sorts of things. Just raises a lot of questions, but very funny. The spider picks him up and starts hitting him on his head. Of course, now we know this is MCP pants, but off the top, you don't really expect that this is going to be him until later in the episode. So very great foreshadowing here. But, you know, makes makes you wonder how MCP pants got here and then from here to making his rap album and all that stuff. But, yeah, great, solid intro. And let's jump into the main episode after that. We get the credits and then... We get an establishing shot outside the Aqua Teen's house during the daytime, and we hear this muffled rap music, and we're, it's illustrated that it's, it's being played very loudly because we can hear it outside. And then we cut inside to see a poster on Meatwad's wall for MCP Pants' I Want Candy, which is in stores now via Sugar Bear Records. According to Discogs.com, Sugar Bear Records is a record label with a few releases in the early 80s, Although the similarity is likely not intentional, I think they just came up with a, with a name for a record label. I don't think they were really referencing this real record label, which did put out a few things in the 80s. And it's worth noting here that later MCP Pants songs are also released via Sugar Bear Records, according to their respective posters that Meatwad always has on his wall. So really nice continuity there. It's always on the same record label, which you think would, you think Frylock would catch on to this and say, hey, Sugar Bear Records, they only put out MCP Pants stuff. Maybe we shouldn't allow Meatwad to buy this. But somehow Meatwad gets it, which in itself is a great joke because it's established he never has money. He can't really go to the store by himself. So how is he getting these CDs? And it's not even a CD. It's like a single. It's just one song. We see on the poster MCP Pants, the rapper who we assume is rapping this song. He appears to be a small black child with like a scrunched up face, holding a lollipop and some pixie sticks. His hat resembles a peppermint in color, red and white. His pants are lime green. He has an orange shirt and a darker green vest. In the vest are some candy bars. He has a candy necklace on with a candy cane at the end of it. And he also has a candy bracelet on his right arm. And he's superimposed over a car, I guess, to give it that hip-hop edge. And we get this really cool twisting pan. So we start off with the poster, like, taking up the screen normally, like you would look at a piece of paper. But then it twists because it's on Meatwad's wall, like, sideways almost. It's just totally not straight at all, which is very funny. Meatwad just threw that sucker up there as soon as he got home. And, it, yeah, it reveals the poster is, is just extremely crooked. And we see Meatwad dancing next to his jam box with the poster on the wall. And the music again, the, the, the titular song, I Want Candy, playing very loudly. While all this is going on, Shake is trying to write a song, which is hilarious. And Meatwad's music is just really hindering Shake's progress. So let's check this scene out because it's very funny. I want candy, bubble gum and taffy. Skip to the sweet shop with my sweetheart Sandy. Got my penny safe, so I'm a sugar daddy. I'm a Hugh Cronin, she my Jessica Tandy. I want candy. You make me feel emotional. <laughs> Meatwad, turn that down. Kissing you. Damn it. That's it. I'm coming back. Put that down. Look, I am out there trying to write new material. Shake, you don't even have old material. <laughs> now who has the material? Nobody. Because he just made me do this. Look, look, just relax, okay? I got this covered. 
always love in cartoons or, or in TV shows when a character is supposed to be like bad at music and, and you see them doing it. It's always hilarious. And that's the case here with Shake. And uh, with, with Shake, I did notice a, a stray pixel on the right side of his face. I guess his right side uh, floating around with him if you want to check that out. But yes, Shake is playing the Dr. Weird guitar first introduced in episode four, Mayhem of the Moon Knights. And so it's great to see that come back. And he's writing a sappy love song, which I love because he's using what looks like a metal guitar to do it. Uh, you know, if you want to hear me talk more about that, go back and listen to the podcast episode covering Mayhem of the Moon Knights because I go into detail about people writing these sappy songs on these metal-looking guitars. It's just very, very funny to me. I will never not laugh at that. Of course, Shake trying to write this song in and of itself is funny, too, since he always acts like a tough, cool guy, and then he's writing this very cheesy, cliche, stupid, emotional love song. I also love the way that the strap is draped over the straw on Shake's head. It doesn't really make sense how it stays on him effectively, but evidently it does because he is able to play it. But yeah, Shake is annoyed at Meatwad's loud music and tells him to turn it down. And the music does stop, but then as Shake goes back to writing, the music starts up again. So it seems like maybe uh, Meatwad, either he did stop it out of respect for Shake and then just like, yeah, I want to listen to it again. Or maybe he was just restarting the song over again. Who knows? I want to point out that I really love how the sound designers conveyed the muted music here. The amount of bass that we hear through the walls really does convey how loud this is supposed to be. I feel like a lot of shows get this wrong. They they don't muffle it in a realistic, correct way to convey how loud it's supposed to be, but they definitely are on point on this show. And you can just tell that, that Meatwad is blasting it. Just bass is bumping. You hear it all throughout the house. But yeah, as we hear, Shake has had enough of the music, and he takes off the guitar and is ready to hit Meatwad with it. Which looks like it would hurt because this guitar is very spiky. It's like like a BC Rich guitar almost. And Frylock tries to calm him down. I love the joke here of Shake saying, I'm trying to write new material and Frylock just instantly. Like, you don't even have any old material. <laughs> so, uh, But yeah, this causes Shake to break the guitar and blames Meatwad for it, for breaking the guitar. And Frylock just assures Shake that he can take care of it. So let's hear Frylock trying to take care of Meatwad's loud, loud music that is very quickly aggravating Shake. Meatwad, you know there's other people that live in this house. Well, I know that. That's why I got it cranked up so loud. <laughs> you know, so everybody can get down with the poop <laughs> You've been dancing to this crap for three days straight. We all know you like candy. You've eaten every piece that's in the house. I did. Well, somebody better go get some more then, because I'm starting to fade. <laughs> I'm starting to fade. So Frylock turns off Meatwad's jam box and yells at Meatwad about how there are other people in the house. I want to point out the great Foley here of Shake's guitar feedback, because he broke the guitar, and we hear, you know, just some, some noise in the background. I really like how that continues throughout the scene. Totally unnecessary, but, you know, as, as we know, as we've discussed, Matt Malero being a shredder, a guitar aficionado, this is definitely his department at work. Meatwad knows there are other people in the house and that's why he's got to crank it up so loud. He thinks he's being considerate. He thinks everyone wants to get down with the pee pants. And real quick, I have not mentioned once, can we just for a second admire how great of a name MC Pee Pants is? Like, what the fuck? Who, who thinks of this? How do you think of that? It's so hilarious. MC Pee Pants. That's just in itself is, is funnier than most shows can get. So Frylock here reveals that Meatwad has been blasting the song for the past three days, which really strikes me as being pretty generous of Frylock and Master Shake to let him do that for so long, because Master Shake usually is very, very quick to shut anything Meatwad likes down. But Frylock here says, 
Meatwad has been blasting the song for three days, <laughs> and they've let him do it for for two days uninterrupted. So that's very very kind of them, kind of kind of shockingly against their character. Frolic also reveals that Meatwad has eaten every piece of candy in the house, and as we heard, Meatwad needs more. He hopes someone gets more because he's starting to fade. And I want to point out the the stain the juice stain rather on meatwad's wall that drips onto the floor i love that i love all the nasty little details in meatwad's room just a lot of thought was put into them and into what a gross kid's room would look like with really no parental supervision even though meatwad really gets a lot more from frylock than a lot of kids do so doesn't entirely match up, but as we learn later on about Frylock, he is kind of weird. He's not really weird yet, but he is kind of weird, so it, I guess it makes sense that Meatwad gets away with a lot. But I guess, you know, Meatwad kind of is supposed to be an adult at the same time, so it makes sense that Frylock can't control everything that he does. Anyways, let's get back to this scene because Frylock is still dealing with Meatwad and his obsessive blasting of I want candy, which I want to point out they reference it as I like candy a lot of a lot of times in this episode. I don't know if that's on purpose or I don't know if it is a discrepancy with just the continuity. I, I don't know if it's a genuine mistake because a lot of the characters do say I like candy a lot, even though it is called I want candy. But yeah, yeah, Frylock is trying to deal with this. Let, let's continue on with how he's trying to deal with it. Look, Meatwad, there are other kinds of music in the world. Here, how'd you like to get down with some real gangsters from the 15th century? But, boob of them. Are they down with the peepots? Well, they wore pantaloons back then, Meatwad. Shoot, boy, you get shot round out in my hood. Well, I think these guys are pretty darn dope, if you know what I mean. Well, I'll give it to me. You better be right, though. Yeah, now listen to that beat. Now that's a kicking glissando. Yeah, it is kicking, isn't it? I sure like it. It's good. You can leave the room now. I mean now. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Enjoy. Frylock hands Meatwad some of the great composers, uh, Bach, Beethoven, Vivaldi, which Meatwad mispronounces two of them, which is a great little gag there. And Frylock says the three gangsters are from the 15th century. Although none of them actually were, which is which is probably not intentional. Again, Frylock is a genius. I assume he, he would know this normally. So I think the writers just kind of didn't care enough to look into it. I took a music history class, so I knew that Beethoven came a bit later than Bach and Vivaldi. It turns out that Bach and Vivaldi lived in the 17th and 18th centuries, while Beethoven lived in the 18th and 19th. So we're talking 17th to 19th century here. So, you know... Almost 300 years past what Frylock was saying. Bach and Vivaldi wrote during the Baroque periods, while Beethoven wrote in the transitional period between the classical and romantic eras. So I kind of knew that. I knew that wasn't really 15th century, because 15th century is more just medieval music. But anyways, um, yeah, Meatwad asks if they're down with the peep pants. Frylock mentions that they wore pantaloons and... Meatwad says, shoot, you get shot wearing that in my hood, which is great since they live in the same hood, right? Like, Meatwad's a acting like he's from somewhere else, but he's not. He's from the same exact place as Frylock is. And also, I love Meatwad saying, boy, I always love that. And we get more of Meatwad's, like, gangsta kind of personality we see later in the show. Right here, this is kind of the, it's not the first development of it, but it's the most consistently gangsta kind of Meatwad is that, that he typically is later in the show. A lot of the same slang and mannerisms that he does, he does here. So when Frylock starts the jam box, it's playing The Four Seasons Spring by Vivaldi, which is a Baroque piece. And, you know, people might just clump this all into classical music. It's not. Baroque is basically defined as 
tuneful and very organized, and the melodies tend to be highly decorated and elaborate. As Four Seasons is playing, Frylock is standing there with his eyes closed, and Meatwad asks him to leave, which is, again, kind of great foreshadowing to how strange Frylock is in later seasons, because he's just lost in it. I guess this isn't, like, that strange compared to how he gets, but it's kind of weird, because he's just standing there with his eyes closed, and he doesn't hear Meatwad the first time Meatwad asks him to leave. You know, up until now, Frylock has been pretty normal, and he's been a straight man, really. Um, outside, of course, of the cut Escape from Leprechopolis scenes, which if you want to hear me go into those scenes about, they really, really foreshadow Frylock being a little strange in those deleted scenes. Go back and listen to the episode on Escape from Leprechopolis, because there's some strange stuff in those deleted scenes that I get into. Very fun stuff. But all right, Frylock thinks he solved the problem. Even though Meatwad's still blasting music, which I guess is, isn't great, but as long as it's not that same song over and over again. So he leaves to go tell Shake, hey, I solved the problem. Problem solved. I want kids. Damn it. Here, I'll <laughs> solve it right out of his head. Make a hole. Oh, no, you won't. Now, look, I got another idea. Okay, so, yeah, just quick, quick turnaround. Meatwad shuts that shit off back to some I want candy. And Shake threatens again. He's going to hit him with the guitar. And Frylock has another idea how to solve this issue. And that plan is headphones. This way you can still listen to MCP pants and Master Shake won't want to hit you with the guitar necking in your life. <laughs> okay, I feel you. That's a good idea. You know, I don't want to get hit with the guitar now. I'm pretty young. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Frylock gives him the headphones and leaves the room. I fucking love that line. I don't want to get hit with a guitar. I'm pretty young. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, you wait till later in life to get hit with a guitar. Man, headphones, that would solve a lot of my fucking issues. I can't stand when people are walking around blasting music on their phones. I don't know why. I think it's just like the shitty audio quality always bugs me. And I, I wish I wasn't such a stick in the mud, but... You know, usually it's music I don't want to hear anyways. <laughs> if it's music I like, I'm typically like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll let it slide. But, you know, a vast majority of the time it's not. Or I also love when people, there's multiple people blasting multiple songs on their phones and you get this just wonderful cacophony of shit you don't want to hear. Definitely some people at my work that like to blast their fucking phones while we're like in the break room it's like yes this is what everyone wants to hear you're fucking bullshit anyways <laughs> i could turn this whole podcast into an episode on that yeah frylock leaves the room and we see the grill in meatwad's room we get like a good shot of it which is where he sleeps supposedly we see that in, in the rabbit episode and of course this is like a different it's not the same grill we saw in Rabot, but it is, you know, the idea that he sleeps on a grill is is reintroduced in a way. I'm not sure that we really saw one in all the previous episodes. We might have. I apologize if I'm wrong. But this is the first time I really notice a grill being pointed out kind of in his room. Honestly, I'm surprised they even bothered drawing this grill. Because we've seen plenty of shots of Meatwad's new modern room since Rabot. And we didn't see the grill. But, yeah, we see it again. I'm just shocked that they add it. I know that it plays a part in some later episodes, but, yeah, that grill is definitely still there. Anywho, Frylock leaves the room, and then the music just comes blasting again. Basically, Meatwad is playing it so loud on the headphones that it's the same as if he was playing it through the speakers. And it sucks, because when I, I cut that clip up for the podcast, you kind of lose that pacing of the joke. Just obviously watch this episode. I'm assuming everyone has seen it, but watch it again if you haven't because it's a great episode, and it would not be time-wasted. But yeah, Frylock leaves the room only to hear the music again, and then he has to go back in and reprimand Meatwad for <laughs> listening to music way too loud on his headphones. 
You are gonna damage your ears for life. That's not gonna be a pretty sight. <laughs> what? Just get a new album, or I'm gonna send Shaken here with that damn guitar. Fine, you don't have to yell at me. But do repeat what you just said, though, because something's going on in my head here. Fantastic screaming from Carrie Means. I feel like I'm always complimenting him. He does such a great angry yell for such a chill character most of the time. It's just really fantastic. And he really conveys this normally pretty calm person losing his shit very, very nicely. So Frylock comes back in and is yelling at Meatwad, who can't hear him because he has the headphones on. What he says is muffled, but he seems to say, Meatwad, take those damn things off, turn that music down. And the Aqua Teen Hunger Force wiki says he starts the sentence with, God damn it, Meatwad. Although I couldn't really make that out. He definitely says something. I'm just not entirely convinced that he says, God damn it. I wouldn't put it past the guys to try and slip that in. But at the same time, this is 2002. You weren't allowed to say, God damn it. And I don't know that they would risk the show getting canceled with that. I just really don't know. I, I don't know what he says. Anyways, yeah, Frolic is telling Meatwad he'll damage his ears. But Meatwad can't even hear any of it. This is after Frolic takes the headphones off Meatwad because his ears are ringing. Tinnitus is no joke, people. This is this is not a joke. Do not play your music this loud because you never get your hearing back. While Meatwad's ears are ringing, I can make out some of what Frylock says. I, I can make out sucking pudding through a damn straw before, and then, he, and then you, we all hear him saying, that's not going to be a pretty sight. There's a few words before the sucking pudding through a damn straw line, but I just cannot make those out because of the loud tone playing and they have the audio kind of swaying between the, the left and right channels and stuff. It's just too difficult to make out. I don't know what sucking pudding through a damn straw has to do with it because, you know, if he loses his hearing, what does that have to do with anything? I could be wrong. Maybe that's not what he's saying, but I'm pretty sure that's what, what I can make out of what he says. And then great little joke here. Meatwad didn't hear any of it. Frolic is yelling at him. And then Meatwad's like, don't yell at me. Because you repeat what you said again or, or whatever. Meatwad's like really polite about it. Just a great little joke there. And while all this is going on, Master Shake is outside the, the door. And he has a little song for Meatwad. I like beatings. I'll beat you all day. I'll just take the ring off. Yeah, I think you better. <laughs> that sound is uh, Master Shake hitting the, the door with the guitar head making his own little parody there of I want candy, which is, I, I, I enjoy it. I like, I like beatings. <laughs> so yeah, Meatwad goes out the uh, window. But then in our next scene, we cut to Frelak and Shake. Shake, of course, wearing his green dinosaur floaty, walking over to Carl's pool. And Carl is in the pool wearing some yellow swim trunks and no shirt. I think this is the first time we see him with no shirt on. Great tan line of where his undershirt usually is. As the two approach, they see Carl and turn around. They're like They're like, oh, shoot, Carl's there. And they try and pretend that they weren't going to go in the pool. And Carl acknowledges them. And let's, let's hear this little scene go down. No, I know you're there. Oh, oh no, we know. Carlton, <laughs> hi. What's up, buddy? Hey, which one of you guys have been playing? I like candy for a freaking week. It was your other neighbors. <laughs> you know what? At this point, it doesn't matter. Because it keeps running inside my head and it won't leave unless I blow it out with a bullet. Hey, uh, <laughs> what's eating there, Carl? You gonna show me some love? Jawbreakers. For some reason, I can't get enough of them. Is that why your teeth are blue? Uh, no. Oh, uh... So why are you... Shut up! 
I like candy. Bubblegum and tape. Damn it. So there it is again with uh, Carl saying, I like candy, which in Carl's defense, he's only really heard the song played from Meatwad's room outside. And like he's outside of their house. Right. So it makes sense. He really wouldn't know what the song is called. But again, just kind of interesting. They refer to it as I like candy a lot, even though it's called I want candy officially. I like Master Shake referring to Carl as Carlton in like a friendly way. Obviously, that's not Carl's name. Great gag of Carl asks who's been playing, quote, I like candy over and over again. And Shake instantly rats out. He's like, Meatwad. And Frolax just is like, oh, it was, it was your other neighbors, as if Carl couldn't tell where the sound was coming from. But yeah, Carl reveals that the song is stuck in his head. It's a bit of an earworm for him. And the only way to get it out is through the sweet release of Suicide. Shake asks Carl what he's eating, and Carl says jawbreakers. His cheek is visibly full, which is funny because it wasn't full a second ago. Before he was talking fine, he didn't have anything in his mouth. And then just randomly, he has a jawbreaker in his mouth, and he has, like, you know, kind of, I don't want to say slurred speech, but his mouth is full. We can hear that. And then Carl spits out the jawbreaker, which is kind of, uh, I don't know why he did that, but he does. And he starts singing the song again, only to be angry about it. And that's the end of this scene. We learn that Carl is getting the song stuck in his head, which will come back in the episode. A little bit of foreshadowing here and setting up the storyline. We cut back to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force living room, and we're looking at the door, and there's a knock at it. Let's, let's see who's at the door. Trick or treats, my mommy, give me some goodies. Oh boy, you look great. Hey, Frylock, come in here and look at this. This is adorable. And who are you supposed to be? I'm Elvis. I ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> well, you ain't got no body. So tell me, are you the fat Elvis or the give skinny the Elvis? You know who I am. Okay, uh, let's see. Here's uh, some uh, soy sauce. Ooh, here's some plumber's putty and a burning candle. That ought to do you fine. Well, all right. Now, it's, uh, it'll be sweet. It'll be sweet when you go up in flames, brother. <laughs> Have fun now. So, yeah, Meatwad's trying to trick-or-treat, and he hits his own house, and Shake gives him soy sauce, plumber's putty, and a burning candle. This, quote, candy sets Meatwad's pumpkin basket on fire, which is very, very sad. And Meatwad asks if anyone is sweet, and I love Shake's response. It'll be sweet when you go up in flames, brother. Like, just his, his, he's talking enthusiastically, but he's being so mean. I, I love when Shake does that. I love his playful hatefulness, I guess. But yeah, Meatwad is trick-or-treating as Elvis, which this is the second official Elvis joke off the top of my head anyways. I'm pretty sure it is the second. And the third, if you count a cut joke from the Rabot pilot, which again, I've said this so many times, but I do plan to cover that at some point, and I plan to compare it to the official released Rabot episode because there is a lot to compare between the two. But the other Elvis joke is the Elvis Dracula sign in the Bus of the Undead episode. So these guys love Elvis. They love, they love riffing on him. But all right, now that Meatwad has hit his own house for candy, which again was plumber's putty, soy sauce, and a burning candle, he's going to hit up Carl's house. And at this point, I want to point out that his pumpkin bucket is melted and there's still like a little flame. It's a little pile of ooze of uh, melted plastic on Carl's stoop here while Meatwad is there trying to get some candy. Trigger treats, mommy. <laughs> oh, man. Look, Meat Man, what are you doing trick-or-treating? It's frickin' May. Look, I need candy, but you're gonna give me some or you're gonna lose some too. No, I know. I only heard your little song about a thousand times. No, I need candy, and I don't know why. So, yeah, we see these two characters who now need candy meeting together, 
And real quick, I want to point out, you know, I said that Miwa was Elvis, but I really appreciate how they designed him to be Elvis. He's just like a puddle of meat on the ground, barely in the suit. You know, it's established that he can go in man form and escape from Leprechopolis, but here he's just like a puddle of meat with the Elvis wig on. <laughs> it's just very silly looking. But Carl slams the door right in his face. Then, you know, I guess he feels bad. He he opens the door and, you know, tries to talk to Meatwad more, explains that it's May, why you trick-or-treating right now. And then, yeah, they reveal that Carl is also addicted to candy. And we'll go from there with this conversation. Shoot, I don't listen to kitty crap anymore. I'm checking the adult jams now. See, check it. MCP players send just one candy now. That's childish. He needs it. And when you need something, that's a responsibility. That's only an adult. Of my maturity. Bunnies! Yeah, I got a deal at the dumpster. I mean, warehouse. Yeah, you might want to wipe the juice off him. Meatwad reveals he no longer wants candy. He needs it. Meatwad hands Carl the I Need Candy CD, which is the same artwork as the poster that I described before, just with the word need instead of want. Need is written in pink and underlined, and I want to note that this is the Sugar Fix remix that it says underneath. Although when we hear them listening to the song later, it appears to be the same song. And yeah, Meatwad explains how when you need something, that's a responsibility. <laughs> it's, it's his responsibility to get candy. That's why, you know, MCP Pants has proposed this call to action to Meatwad, and Meatwad is answering the call. He's going to action of trying to secure some more candy. As Meatwad is talking to Carl about this, he's looking around Carl's living room. Like, you see his eyes kind of going back and forth, and then we get this first-person view from Meatwad, which I love when the show does this. They've done it a couple times now, where... You get the character's perspective, and we see Meatwad looking around Carl's room, and then his eyes land on some chocolate bunnies in Carl's house. Uh, they are on a half-melted pallet covered in garbage juice in Carl's living room. And I want to mention, this is our first time going inside Carl's living room. We see a black chair, some magazines on the ground, and a Cancun poster on his wall with a woman in a purple bikini on the beach. Carl has wood paneling similar to the Aquatines as well. Otherwise, we don't see much else that we come to expect from Carl's house, such as his giant TV. I'm not entirely sure if this is even the same chair that he has later on. But yeah, those chocolate bunnies are made by a company called Candy Corp with K's instead of C's. Each box contains four 7-ounce bunnies. The box says serving suggestion on the front, uh, suggesting maybe the serving suggestion is just one bunny at, at a time, which would be you know pretty reasonable. The box only shows three bunnies, with one being visible through the plastic, like the real bunny, and then the other two are just printed on the box, even though it says there's four inside, so kind of kind of a discrepancy there, but whatever. And then Carl basically reveals that he got the bunnies from the dumpster. He tries to act like it's from the warehouse, but he, as, as we can see, right, half of the pallet is melted, there's nasty shit has dripped all over it, it's just disgusting, but he's, he's eating them. So from this scene, we cut to later in the day, it is now nighttime, and Meatwad and Carl are outside. We don't know what time it is, but it's established it's well past midnight. And they are washing Carl's car, blasting I Want Candy, or I guess at this point I Need Candy. And Meatwad's dancing to it, and they are making their way through this pallet of bunnies. It's almost gone at this point, which is just an insane amount of candy that they are consuming. And Master Shake and Frylock are watching from their window, uh, concerned about it. 
Hey, you know, Meatwad and Carl have been hanging out quite a bit lately. Wait, you want to stop it? Right, right! No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. But, but don't you think it's a little bit weird that they started washing the car at midnight and they're still doing it? People do things. It's a fact. People do things. It's a fact. Yeah, Frylock is a little concerned here, and we just see what's going on. I suppose... It's possible that this isn't the same day. Maybe it's a couple of days later because Frylock says that Meatwad and Carl have been hanging out a bit lately. So it could have been, I guess, over the course of a few days they're working their way through this pallet of chocolate. But I'd like to imagine that this is later that night and they're just going hard on the chocolate bunnies. We see that Meatwad is dancing while Carl washes the car and most of the paint has been stripped from the vigorous rubbing and vigorous washing, which is just hilarious. Like They are just compulsively washing this car. And while this is going on, you know, Shake is Shake is like, you want me to do something about it? And his his way to handle that is just to yell rape a, a couple times. But Frylock doesn't feel like that's appropriate quite yet. So back to Meatwad and Carl here. Meatwad and Carl are about to take turns trading some verses on I Want Candy, revealing some concerning lyrical content. Yeah, Frylock watching this, his eyes are just wide open. And, you know, props to Dave Willis here because, you know, again, he is Meatwad, he is Carl, or, or the voices of them. So he's, he's rapping this in different character voices. It's not easy to sing and to rap while doing a different voice. It's not easy at all. So props to him for being able to power through this, making it look easy. And of course, he goes on to do this way more later in the show in some really just impressive ways. But this is really the first instance of that, and it's great watching these two guys <laughs> rap with this song. So in the song, we hear, here's the lyrics. To use a giant drill to bore straight into hell, releasing ancient demons from their sleep forever spell so they can walk upon the earth and get resituated and hawk the diet pills MCP Pants has created. So, yeah, basically using the the sugary blood to use the giant drill to bore into hell, release the demons so the demons can sell MCP Pants's diet pill scam. It's basically like a, it's a really crazy way to do... Uh, a pyramid scheme or a multi-level marketing scheme, an MLM. That's all this boils down to. It always comes down to the MLMs. Watch out for those guys. And, you know, we're not the only ones who picked up on this. Frylock heard it too. Let's hear what Frylock has to say about it. Shay, did you hear this lyric about drilling a hole straight to hell and releasing demons to run a global diet pill pyramid scheme? I don't know. All that rap is is clicks and whistles. <laughs> so uh, a little short scene there. And Shake at this point is sitting on the couch. He's done watching them outside. Shake reveals that he doesn't like rap, which is funny because Dana Snyder also isn't much of a rap fan via his interview on the Adult Swim podcast. And around this time, I probably was feeling the same way. I didn't really like rap until I got a bit older. As, as a kid, I was like, rap? More like crap. <laughs> got him. Yeah, I just, I wasn't into it. I think the first rap I got into, um, of course, I liked this song. You know, you think that would kind of lead me into some rap. But again, I didn't know MC Chris was an actual rapper. Although, I have to say, this was 2002. MC Chris only had one album out at this time, uh, Life's a Bitch and I'm Her Pimp, <laughs> uh, which, 
I would have had no way of finding that. You know, this was not before the internet, but I was just a kid. I didn't really have access to looking up that kind of stuff, or I wouldn't have known how to get it without my mom buying it for me since I was like eight. But yeah, the first rapper I think I got into was Eminem with his Greatest Hits CD. Uh, still some songs that I, I have soft spot for these days, although I don't listen to them anymore. But yeah, I, I would have been with Shake back in this period of time. But yeah, Frylock is on to things, so, so we know there's some things developing here. And we go back outside where Carl and Meatwad are still having this little uh, candy music shindig. You, you, you think that we should take another pass at this? Because I'm still seeing paint here and it's starting to mock me. <laughs> Carl, this is my favorite part right here. Mess up the mix, mix up the mess. Come on down, yo, here's the address. Says 612 Wolf Avenue. 612 Wolf Avenue. 612 Wolf Avenue. I know where that is. That's an abandoned warehouse next to Melon Shakers. The, the Gentleman's Club. <laughs> we may as well. I'm too jacked up on candy to go to sleep. Now grab me some clean bunnies for the road. Marshmallow or chocolate? Are you kidding? Both. I got a loogie that can fill a lake here. Gross. I love in this universe how this song is like referencing something in their town. Like, of course, this song was specifically created and marketed towards the Aqua Teens. I just love that about this show. It's everything kind of relates to these characters in a very specific way. And and that's not to say that MCP fans created this for Meatwad or for the Aqua Teens. I guess I, sh- I shouldn't have phrased my wording like that because it's revealed soon that he did not. But I just love that it's it happens to be in their New Jersey town where all this is taking place. It's not like MCP Pants is trying to get people from all over the world because all he does is mention a street address. It doesn't seem like he gives any sort of address beyond like the street where it's at he, he doesn't give like the town the state anything like that it's just the streets but yeah as for the episode i love the the voice acting here from dave willis of of playing this addicted carl here he's like spazzing out he's almost like tweaking out i guess would be a, another way to put it when he's talking about how this pain is mocking him and the way he's like stuttering his words and stuff and i want to point out here that sugar making you all hopped up isn't really a th- thing it's kind of a medical misconception so this is via winchesterhospital.org there is no evidence that consuming sugar or aspartame can make a child with a normal attention span hyperactive although sugar does make energy available to the body it does not increase excitement or activity and i've heard this a lot sugar is very addictive and it does supply energy to your body but it's not like caffeine it doesn't hype you up it doesn't really affect your state in the way that cartoons and tv shows portray it that's just not a thing i think that there was some shitty study done back a a while ago that suggested this and people just kind of latched onto it it's just not really a thing you know when you give kids sugar they're probably just excited and happy that they're getting candy or they're getting sweets of some sort and that's what hypes them up it's not the sugar itself again sugar very bad for you very addictive but just not in the way that they're kind of uh, making it out to be in this episode. Miwa tells Carl to be quiet, though, because his favorite part of the song comes up. That's where MCP Pants talks about 612 Wharf Avenue. And Carl knows where that is. It's next to Melon Shaker's The Gentleman's Club. And the two decide to head down there. Carl tells Meatwad to grab some bunnies. And Meatwad talks like he's going to, but he rolls away with Carl without anything in his hands. And we don't see them eating any later in the episode. So... Yeah, kind of, kind of, you know, I, I, I don't think it's intentional. I think, you know, Meatwad and Carl are getting along well. Meatwad's not trying to disobey Carl. I think it's just not really thought about in the animation department. 
But yeah, I just love that Meatwad and Carl are hanging out here. I love these episodes where the characters like Carl and they get along with Carl. Those are always like the most fun for me. I also want to point out that Meatwad did not have his jam box in his hands, and that will come up very soon. But before that, Frylock has a few more words on what is currently going down. I don't have a good feeling about this shake. We need to follow them. Look, I should not walk so a child may live. <laughs> That's what it does. Get up. Little uh, animation error on that scene. At the bottom, we can see some sort of white line. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be, but uh, I can't imagine it's anything that was intentional. But okay, that, that's that scene. And now we open to an ominous scene here. We see a yacht that I think says Bala Fortune or Fortuna, maybe. Unfortunately, some of it's cut off, so I can't make it out. Meatwad and Carl appear to be at some sort of industrial district. This seems to be taken from some older cartoon. I did try and reverse Google image search this, but I couldn't find anything. I tried to Google the words I can try and make out on the yacht. I couldn't find anything, so I don't know where this is from, but it's clearly from a different show. It wasn't made for this show. We see 612 posted over the doorway, which looks like it was added on for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. They touched up this scene from some other cartoon in, in a way, but yeah, Carl and Meatwad are at 612 Wharf Avenue, and Meatwad is briefing Carl on how he should act because... You know, Meatwad thinks that he has this insider knowledge on how to act around these kinds of dangerous gangsters. Because, you know, he's from the hood, so he says. All right, Carl. We're in the hood now. Unless you want to get shot, you need to stay low, be quiet, and follow me. All right. So, yeah, uh, Carl taking Meatwad very seriously. And I want to mention here that... Meatwad's jam box is right next to him. Uh, like I said before, he wasn't bringing it with him when they left, but it's here now. And I hate to break up the pacing of this scene because it kind of kills the joke, but Meatwad briefing Carl. Carl taking what Meatwad says very seriously, very serious music. And then Meatwad just turns on the jam box and runs in there saying, Yoo-hoo! Hey, guys, who's there? So let's hear that. I, I can't really convey the joke uh, in, in this podcast format. You just got to watch the episode. <laughs> So yeah, Meatwad just fucking you know they they totally turn this scene complete 180. Uh, just really really smart writing for them. I really love this joke. And Meatwad just sprints into the building. He moves so fast. He goes inside. It's it's an empty warehouse. We see some empty pallets stacked up against the walls. And they see the exact same image of MCP pants from the poster in a spider web. And something akin to a large popsicle stick is attached to it, being held by what looks like a spider arm, like off, off to the side. So it's just very, very strange. And Carl demands P-Pants comes down to give him some candy. And MCP pants talks back to them. And I should mention, when MCP pants talks, his mouth does not move. And you see the spider arm just moving the the puppet, I guess, up and down as he's talking. All right. Let's get this party started right up, MCP pants. In the Why aren't your lips moving? <laughs> Look, my schniggies, I had a strizzle in my brizzade, okay? You know what I'm saying? So I can't move all good. Thanks for mentioning that. Thank well, you very with much. With the stroke, MCP pants, I thought you was 11. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> uh, hey. Hey, hey, you ate a bunch of that candy before you came, didn't you? Oh, yeah, boy, you know I did. <laughs> I like candy. Yeah, Bobby I know how the song goes, all right? I wrote it, okay? Yeah, where are all your friends at? Ah, <laughs> uh, this is just one of them. The rest of them are off popping caps in people's 
But <laughs> if I can do... Is the album selling? Because there's only two of you. I mean, I bought one. But no one else did. <laughs> oh, this ice. That's just grizzly. Oh, let's throw down some wax and mess up the mud. Let's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's not. Oh, okay. Again, um, you know, you see this isn't a real person. It's just moving up and down. And Carl immediately notices this, calls it out. MCP Pan says that it's because he had a stroke. But meanwhile, it's like, aren't you 11? Like, how does that How does that work? I did notice a stray pixel by MCP Pan's right hand on our left side as we're looking. If you want to check out that stray pixel moving up and down. And another little weird decision here is suddenly Meatwad's jam box is right next to him you know nobody brought it in from the outside I guess maybe Carl could have carried it in that's a possibility but still just this jam box is going wherever Meatwad goes magically but yeah as Carl calls out MCP Pants MCP Pants ignores it and just asks Meatwad if they ate a bunch of candy before coming Meatwad wants to sing I want candy but MCP Pants is like yeah I know how it goes I wrote it I just love that joke and then MCP fans ask Meatwad where his friends are at, and Meatwad says they're off popping caps in people's butts. You know, really, Meatwad doesn't have any other friends. He has Frylock and Shake, but they're certainly not doing that. They're just at home. And then MCP fans ask if the album sold, because there's only two of them there. Nobody else has come yet, and then Meatwad reveals that he bought one, but nobody else did. And great acting from MC Chris here, just playing like a generic kind of gangsta type, right? Just, you know putting Izzle and stuff like that at the end of stuff, just really tacky and something that was kind of common around this period. I remember a lot of this wannabe gangsta-isms in stuff. So this really kind of brings me back to TV at the time because you would hear this on a lot of stuff. But an upset MCP fans is just like, whatever, I'll just make do with what I've got. He tells Carl and Meatwad to get into the thrones over there and not talk so much. And these thrones are two lawn chairs with what looks like Christmas tree stands next to a giant drill. I love the Christmas tree stands in this joke. It's just so random and bizarre, but it, it kind of works for what he's trying to do, I think. And yeah, we'll see how that goes. Meatwad reluctantly agrees. Let's just get into those thrones over there and not talk so much. Those thrones? Next to the big drone? Do you see any other thrones? Because if you do, go jump in that throne. Go ahead. Have fun. <laughs> no, I guess not. I don't want to make any waves. I just, uh... Come on, Carl. <laughs> Come on, Carl. Me doesn't want to make any waves. And, you know, MCP Pants has this position of power over Meatwad where, you know, Meatwad just wants to make him happy. But luckily, Carl's there. Carl isn't really having it. But this does not please MCP Pants, who attacks Carl in his spider form. He drops the 11-year-old child act. Look, why do we have to strap on? Are you a detective now? You're questioning me. I don't have to piss up, up, up with that. I don't have to take it. <laughs> now, tighten those skull screws two notches below excruciating. Otherwise, the energy won't transfer to the drill. Well, I'm not getting in this lawn chair until you come down here and give us some candy. Oh, God! Whoa, down. You look different on the album. That's right. It's called marketing. <laughs> so now Meatwad and Carl both in the, quote, thrones, which again are just lawn chairs with their heads hooked up to the drills. And Meatwad very surprised at what MCP Pants really looks like. And yeah, it's just called marketing. You know, that's not really what what he looks like he's of course he's a giant spider with a with a shower cap and a diaper on i mean come on i mean what do you guys think i look like it's 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 all just fucking marketing dude but all right now that uh now that carl and meatwad are hooked up to the drill mcp pants can begin his uh drilling process but we see uh the, it doesn't really go very successfully damn it next time you got 
gotta bring some friends, man. Oh, so you can jack them up on candy? And then use their hyperactive blood sugar to power that drill? And bore a hole straight into hell? And unleash demons to run your global diet pill pyramid scheme? I think not. Look, man, people totally misunderstand me. I rap about life on the streets. I don't advocate demons, man. Come on, drilling into hell? Where you get that schniz nose? What? Look, I'm gonna read your lyric sheet. Right, Diffuse fine, a giant yes, you drill. Want me to spell it out? That's what I advocate. Yes, okay, you are correct. <laughs> Look at me, man. I'm a giant spider wearing a disposable diaper. I'm insane, man. Do you know anywhere I'm gonna fit in? I don't think so. Is that what this is all about? Fitting in? Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, MCP pants there just revealing. He just wants to fit in. That's what all this is about. Doesn't really make sense how maybe he wanted uh, to make the money off of the diet pill marketing scheme so that he could be rich, so that more people would like him. That could be it. But yeah, as you heard, Frylock and Shake come into the scene at the last second here to kind of save the day. I, I really enjoy the visual of Carl laying down. It's just really funny. You know, he always has his hands on his hips. It's always the same shitty animation of him just laying down. I love it. And little thing that I noticed here was as MCP Pants comes closer to Frylock and Shake, Shake actually backs up and says, whoa, it's really understated, but I picked it up on like my probably fourth time watching it for this for this episode. But yeah, um, it's revealed MCP Pants just wants to fit in and we cut now to a completely new scene. We are outside Pizza Potamus, a rundown derelict pizza shop that is clearly not functional anymore. Via the Aqua Teen Hunger Force wiki, the pizza place Frylock and the others take MCP Pants to is named after the star of the Hanna-Barbera cartoon Peter Potamus and his magic flying balloon. Peter would become a regular on another Adult Swim show, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. So if you're familiar with that show, you're familiar with this Peter Potamus here, here called Pizza Potamus. It appears like this background was made for the show like bob pettit probably actually made this from scratch for the show because it's it's more in line with what you expect to see in the show not the old cartoon styles that they take for a lot of these early episodes and this impresses me because they're only here for this one short scene basically so they had him make this whole background just to be there for a minute maybe out of the whole episode but yes frylock Shake, Meatwad, and MCP Pants are at Pizza Potamus, and they're hyping MCP Pants up because he's about to interview for a job here, even though you can already tell something is strange because clearly this place is not operational anymore. Look, I know you're nervous. I was nervous at my first job interview. Let's just leave the puppet behind this time, okay? Look at me, man! Ask me why I wear this diaper, man! I'm insane! I ain't gonna get this job! Why do you wear the diaper? We're gonna love you, MCP Pants. Just give him a chance. Yeah, sure. You all the things that are in this ad here. You're energetic, hardworking, you love people. No, I love the liquid inside people! How many times I gotta tell you, man? I'm insane! I eat people juice! Someone's gonna hire a people juice eater! Look, we're here to change all that. Now pull up your diaper. You wanna make a good first impression? Yeah, we're right behind you. Yeah, behind these blast shields. Now you never know. You make the best pizza you possibly can. Make us proud. Alright, man. I'll do it, man. But I don't know, man. Hey, wait a minute, man. This Lord shake. <laughs> so... Yeah, this was all ploy just to explode MCP fans to kill him. Frylock tells MCP Pants that he is energetic, hardworking, he loves people, but MCP Pants clarifies, no, he loves the liquid inside of people, not people themselves. And then, yeah, you know, Meatwad is just wholeheartedly trying to be positive to MCP Pants. It seems like Shake knew that this was going to happen. Frylock clearly knew this was going to happen. I'm not sure if Meatwad did because Meatwad, that's not really his style, you know? But in, in, in this next scene, we have Frylock trying to justify it. 
the killing of MCP pants. Look, he was never gonna make it in the outside world. He was brutally insane. Besides, he was an eight-foot spider wearing a diaper. Who am I talking to? Because I don't know you. <laughs> He's in hell. It's a fiery pit of unpleasantness in the center of the so yes, the Aqua Teens debriefing at the pool. Nice animation on Shake. He's actually bobbing around in the water, which I really like. But Frolic's trying to justify it, which I mean, he does. He does make a good point. But Shake, fitting the trope of even evil has its limits. Shake is like, wow, I can't believe you did that. I don't know you. Because this isn't something that Frolic would typically do. And then Meatwad trying to be sweet about it, saying, you know, I hope that he found some people he could be friends with. But Shake keeps cutting him off. And I just love the, uh, and do not say anything. <laughs> it's just a great back and forth between the two that you kind of only find in this show. And then we actually cut down to hell to see MCP pants. And via the Aqua Teen Hunger Force wiki, the animation background of Hell at the end of the episode is really the center of the Earth background from the episode Monolith of Evil from the 1978 Hanna-Barbera cartoon Challenge of the Super Friends. So very interesting. Clearly a different animation style. I'm not sure where the Satan monster is from that we will see, but maybe it's from the Sa maybe it's from Challenge of the Super Friends. I don't know. But yes, we see MCP pants in Hell, and he's trying to make friends with the devil. <laughs> So yeah, MCP fans asking who's into rap. Satan says we listen to speed metal, and then he just blows MCP fans up in a in a big fire with lots of magma and all that hot stuff. And that's the episode, guys. That's MCP Pants, Season 1, Episode 9. And I do want to mention that the outro plays I Want Candy. So this is the, the second time the outro will play a different song other than the typical Dancing is Forbidden theme. The first time, of course, being whenever there is a Moon Knight episode, they will play Moon Knight Death March. So my overall thoughts on this episode, there actually weren't as many big laugh out loud moments for me as I thought, but I still really love this episode and it's the perfect episode I think to show somebody Aqua Teen for the first time. It really shows you who all the characters are and I love the friendly relationship between Carl and Meatwad. MCP Pants, of course, a legendary Aqua Teen villain. He comes back a few times in different forms and all of those episodes are really, really fantastic. I gotta feel bad for MCP Pants because ultimately he just wanted to fit in and he gets killed by the Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And although Frolic's reasoning makes sense, they themselves are food monsters who probably shouldn't be allowed to live. You know, Frylock is kind of playing God here, which is interesting. He says that MCP Pants was an eight-foot spider, but Shake is like a six-foot talking, walking milkshake. You know, it's just it's just kind of an interesting moral conundrum here of. Does Frylock really get to decide to kill him? I guess if MCP Pants wants to eat people, he said he likes the liquid inside of people, then there's your reasoning for killing him. But still, just interesting to think about because these are, these are food monsters. They shouldn't exist either. But yes, this episode, fantastic. MC Chris really kills it here. Only MC Chris could have pulled this episode off. Only MC Chris could have allowed this episode to happen. His naturally high-pitched voice makes this character really wacky but really believable because if they didn't have MC Chris playing this like who who you think is like a child rapper uh, you know before you find out he's a spider 
what would they do? You know, have some other rapper that they would pitch up? Like, that wouldn't really be funny. That would be weird. I just, this episode couldn't happen without even just his rapping skills, let alone his voice acting skills. His, I'm sure he had a lot to do with the writing of this episode or at least some influence on it. It's just, he, he really elevates this episode. I got to give this one five melted chocolate bunnies out of five. It's a perfect Aqua Teen episode. The pacing is phenomenal. It's really incredible. There's not a wasted scene here. The guys were really on fire when they were creating this one, and it really kicks off, I think. We're about to be treated to some really fantastic episodes. This is where the show really picks up and finds itself and starts just hitting it out of the park and it's where the season really picks up again like mission hill it took mission hill till the second half of its first season to find itself i feel like aqua teen is kind of the same of course there are some great episodes before this one and some that as you could hear if you listen to those episodes i i laugh out loud more but this one to me kicks off when the show becomes truly fantastic so yeah, that's it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to the end of this hour and a half plus episode. Very long episode. I apologize for that. Ideally, I'd like to keep these under an hour, but that's just not happening. So I'm trying not to stress out about it. If you'd like to get in contact, check the show notes. You can email me. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Of course, check dancingisforbidden.com for anything else you might want to find. Send me some more voice messages. As always, I am fresh out. I'd like to hear what you guys have to say, your Aqua Teen origin stories, impersonation. Uh, just anything Aqua Teen related. Love to hear it. Of course, if you like the show, please share the show. Look, I know every single one of you has had two parents biologically. Tell those guys about it. Maybe they'll like it. I don't know. If you have kids, send send your kids to school with, with a CD with my podcast on it. Have them show their friends. I don't know. I'm just spitballing ideas out here. Anyways, thanks guys. To play this episode out, I'm going to play the full I Want Candy track that was released eventually. It was not released at the time, but eventually it was, I think, when the movie came out. And and I want to point out here, that this, this isn't exactly the song that they played on the show, because in this version, it ends with right next to the Gentleman's Club, and the song ends. But in, in the show, after that happens, you, you hear the song keeps going, and there's more stuff said that isn't said in this released version. So we don't have the full version that was used in the show, to my knowledge, but we do have this version that is, you know, a couple minutes long, and it gets the job done. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a fantastic week. And hey, get yourself some candy. Treat yourself. Uh, Let me know what you guys get. I think I'm going to get myself some Skittles to celebrate this week. I want candy, bubblegum, and taffy. Let's get it, guys. Have a great week. We'll talk next week for episode 10 of season 1, Dumber Dolls. See you then. I want candy, bubblegum, and taffy. Skip to the sweet shop with my sweetheart Sandy. Got my penny safe, so I'm a sugar daddy. I'm a Hugh Cronin. She's my Jessica Candy. I want candy. Put it in a pile, split it with my bitty, 50-50 down the line. Kinda like close encounters at the cavity kind. I'm talking licorice, kisses, talking chocolate, smiles, I want candy. I got a sugar tooth, put on your shingle candy, cause I wanna knock boots. Lick a peppermint stick till the lollipop droops come drops it. Don't stop till it's lit, not loose. I need candy, bubblegum and taffy. Get my way, punk, you're gonna get your ass beat nasty. Do it till your dad sees, embarrass your whole family. Just cause you came between a kid and his candy. I need candy, any kind will do. Don't care if it's nutritious or FDA approved. It's gonna make me spaz like bobcats on booze. A hyperactive juice that only I can produce. If you're the giant drill, going straight into hell. Releasing ancient demons from their sleep forever spell so they can walk upon the earth and get resituated. And hawk to diet pills and be pee to create it. I need candy, what's the candy? Eat candy till I'm dead. I'll kill you for some candy. Give me candy, candy, candy. Why you keeping all the candy? Who made you candy king? If you don't give me some candy, I will make the lady sing.